0: Welcome to the e Show. Let's talk about equipping and enabling believers uh, worldwide to make disciples. Today, we've got Shane Pruitt on the show. Shane is the National Next-Gen Evangelism Director at the North American Mission Board. Uh, he's a husband, father of five. He's an adoptive dad. Those are cool. He's a speaker, an evangelist, blogger, podcaster, author, busy guy. Making, making Jesus famous, and he's a sneakerhead. You can always catch him <laughs> yeah. with some flashy J's. Hey, uh, I, I want to ask you: Are those are Jordans becoming like a uh, a requirement for SBC leadership?
1: <laughs> hey, Bucky, man, what an honor to be on. Hey, that's what I try to convince my wife of. I was like, Hey, these shoes are a ministry tool, um, and hey, all kidding aside, like especially with young guys like college age guys high school young adults like they are conversation starters man I can't yep. I can't I can't even number how many times I've even been sitting in an airport and a total stranger come up and make a comment about my shoes and then if I'm speaking somewhere it's just like an instant connection especially with young adult guys um, and so I've been trying to convince my wife of that going hey this is a ministry expense you know there you go <laughs>
0: and he can write yeah. it off yeah. <laughs> Here's my tactics in form. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I thought would be fun to do today is kind of turn the tables on you. Uh, I appreciate the the Next Gen podcast. And so I'm going to ask you some of the questions that you ask your guests on the that, awesome. uh, Next fun. Gen Evangelism podcast. And so one of those is, before we really get into it, talk about ministry. What's a fun fact about Shane that we don't know?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> hey, all right. So... Uh... Yeah, this one is a little fun uh, that I have with it, but uh, probably a little gross too. All right. So I have, so my big toe uh, on my right foot. Uh So anybody freaked out by feet, uh, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, When I was a senior in high school, 18, uh, I was lifting weights and putting a 45 pound, you know, weight plate on a bench press bar. And for some reason, I just kind of had this moment where my brain just stopped working and i thought it was on the bar and it wasn't i let go and it came down like right on my feet like and so it literally like like it smushed like my big toe like basically just smushed it obliterated it and so they had to put pins in it kind of rebuild it uh and so the nail has not grown back right. It's like super thick and just kind of off colored. So it grosses my kids out. And so that's kind of my punishment. Awesome. Like if you don't do what you're supposed to, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have my toe attack you, you know, and so I'm always like trying to put my toe on them and it just freaks <laughs> them out. So yeah, that's an interesting fact about me is that I got this like kind of nasty hammer toe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that, that is a great kid trolling tool though. That's a great dad thing to yeah. have. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Hey, so what do we need to know about Gen Z when when we're thinking about evangelism, missions, mobilization, discipleship, calling them to who who they're called to be in the kingdom. What do we need to know about this next generation?
1: Yeah, one of the things that first of all, I always love the point about Gen Z is they're not millennials. You know, I think sometimes that helps with churches, especially maybe older pastors, older leaders. They get a little confused about who millennials are, Gen Z uh you know you know sometimes they're like we got to reach those young millennials and it's like yeah we do but some millennials are almost 40 years old with married with kids kids and mortgages jobs yeah ceos of companies and stuff so gen z um at the time of this recording in october 2020 the easiest way to think about generation z right now is those that are in college high school junior high uh, and then those that are preteens, you know, we're still trying to determine what will be the generation after Gen Z. Some are calling the alpha generation. Some sociologists say we'll probably stop naming generations after Gen mm-hmm. Z because the world is changing so fast and culture is changing so fast that it will be hard to mark people by a common characteristic over a 20-year span, you know, so I'm like, uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when you think of Gen Z, first of all, they're... Uh, the least religious generation we've ever seen in the United States, less than uh, about 20% even go to a local church. Uh, less than 30% says that religion is important to them. Not even Christianity, just religion, period. So they are truly a post-Christian generation that's a product of a post-Christian culture as culture is changing. Um, so they're not religious but that is also exciting for us on the evangelism side of things because they're not cultural Christians in Gen Z. Meaning this, they 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 know they're believers, or uh, they know they're not. You know, um, and so uh, a lot of times, especially in the South, as you know, with older generations, you almost had to convince somebody they were lost before you could share the gospel with them. So yeah. Gen Z, they're not religious, so they don't have any concept of it. So. Uh, they're open, um, but they are open. They're not as aggressive towards the church as maybe we saw on millennials. They just don't even think about the church because they're not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, however, here is the exciting thing, is that um, they, they know the world is broken. Uh, they've been exposed. Yeah. They've been on yeah. a screen their whole life. Think about it. They don't know a world without uh, you know, social media, they don't know a world without internet. They didn't, they don't know a world. They're, they were born after 9 11. So they don't even know a world without the fear of terrorism uh, and public school shootings. So they're very aware that the world is broken and they are aware they're broken because many suffer with depression and anxiety. So all that to say, they're coming to the end of themselves as an the earlier age. So they're looking for a solution, they're looking for an answer. And here's the exciting thing on the missions evangelism side of things is we know that solution has a name that answer has a name and that name is jesus and then i would say gen z believers uh it's not easy for them to be christians amongst their own generation um it's not easy on some level they know it's going to cost them something so when they go all in on following jesus they do just that all in so really, cultural Christianity, I think, has started to become more and more extinct amongst Gen Z. They're either all the way out or they're all the way
0: in. Yeah, Yeah. there's an aspect of that that's sort of, I mean, we look at it in sort of a bittersweet way. Those of us who that have been you know, in ministry for, for a while or grew up in churches and we see our churches declining in numbers. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of freak out over that in the last you know, decade or so. but. You know, in some sense, if that's the way, if that's the reason for it, that nominal Christianity, cultural Christianity is dying down. You know, so be it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If, if our, if it's, if the church is in some sense being purified to those who are are sold out, born again, evangelistic believers, that's that's the kind of church Jesus wants, right? Of course, we don't want churches to decline. We don't want our influence and culture to decline. But really, if, if people who are who are among us are serious then, you know, all, all the better for the kingdom, right? Yeah, definitely. And Bucky, that's what's crazy
1: is, like, you know, and I've shared this multiple times lately and on different, you know, podcasts or interviews or, or webinars or conferences I'm teaching at, um, is that some of the greatest preaching compliments over the last year have come from teenagers and college students. Meaning this, like, once they're starting to follow Jesus, they're serious about their faith and they're serious about the word, and they're hungry for doctrine and theology and all those things. You know, I think earlier in in the summer, this this girl comes up and I'm preaching at a, a student camp. That was an in-person student camp. There were very few of them this summer, but this one was, and she's probably 16, 17, and she comes up, and I'll never forget this, at the end of the week, one of the greatest preaching comments, compliments I've ever got, she said, hey Shane, Uh, Thank you for just preaching the word of God this week and being honest and authentic with us and not telling a bunch of goofy stories the whole time. And I stopped and thought about that. That's often the knock that next gen communicators get or youth communicators is that we start with the verse out of context usually and then tell a bunch of stories for 40 minutes. And these teenagers don't want that. These college students don't want that. And so, man, all those compliments are like, hey, thanks for just being real with us. Thanks for being honest with us. Thanks for just preaching the word. Thanks for this message being centered on scripture and text. And it's not your opinion, it's God's truth. Like all of those types of compliments are coming from the next generation because that's what they're hungry for, you know?
0: Yeah. Would you you say it's true that that, uh, many in this next generation are, are authenticity detectors? Yeah, no doubt,
1: man. Yeah, yeah, man. They they can see right through it. Yeah, I think that's one of the key things about working with the next generation or leading the next generation or serving the next generation is just be you. Meaning this, like, you know, you joke while I go, yeah, like, you know, I am that guy that probably, uh, you know, is a sneakerhead and, and jeans and kind of the hoodie or whatever. That's That's who I am. Um, and so, if that's you, be you. But if that's not you, don't try to be someone you're not. Like, if, hey, if you're the if you're the, the person who goes to bed in doctors and wakes up in doctors and, and mows your yard in dress pants and and <laughs> plaid shirts, like that's okay. Be you. The next Gen Z really does not care about that. They just want you to be you. However, when you're trying to be something you're not, they'll they'll sniff that out. And then also say like, be honest about your own failures, your own struggles your own need for the gospel. Because I think often as Christians and as leaders, especially if we pretend like we have it all together, then Gen Z looks at that and goes, okay, that's not real, that's fake, I don't wanna have anything to do with it. Or they'll say, "Uh, well, that's perfection, I can't attain that, so I'm not even gonna try. But I think when we're just honest about our own fears, our own doubts, our own struggles, our own need of the gospel every day, um, the victory that we desperately need in our own life as leaders, um, then I think that is attractive and that's where we can really do what Paul said, you know, imitate me as I imitate the Lord, you know, and man, when we're honest about it, that is very, very much attractional because they know the world's broken. So when we pretend yeah. like it's not, um, they don't like that.
0: Yeah. And that's the starting point, you know, that's the starting point for, for the gospel. Uh, and they already know, they already know the brokenness. So why, why should we pretend like everything's all good? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think some of those, even those
1: issues that we're not comfortable with, even if we have to stumble through them, like I always encourage people, take them head on. You know, like the things that are going on in culture, like take them head on in light of God's word, because often uh, as the church, we do two things. We either uh, demonize everything that's taking place in culture or we completely ignore it. And when the church is silent and culture is screaming, then that's all they hear. Culture preaches sermons too. Uh, culture yeah. tries to preach a false gospel, right? And so yeah. when we're silent, that's all they hear. So the church must speak up. Do it boldly, but do it with kindness and love. But be bold and be honest and take it head on. And then because the Bible does speak on everything that's going yeah. on,
0: you know. Yeah. And then there's the fact that, I mean, we're 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 preaching. Uh, a king who rose from the dead, yeah, and we believe is going to come back from the sky on a horse, and 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 dole out ultimate justice. So so yeah. why not be all up front about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, and man, and that's what I love it because you know here's another thing that I often say, and you know I try to say it uh, as kindly as possible, but uh, it sounds harsh, but I don't mean it to be harsh. Is that that's why as especially teachers and communicators and preachers, like stick to the word, because like when Gen Z does show up at our church or they come into our worship services or they come into the youth services or the collegiate services, and if they hear a message, and I want to be very careful I say this, but I think it must be said, especially in this time period. If they come in and all they hear basically is a message that is a self-help message sprinkled with Bible verses out of context, that's for a lack of a better term uh, white noise to them because that's the same thing they hear everywhere else is this yeah, self-help yeah. nonsense like that's what they hear in culture that's the books they see at the bookstore that's what they often are, are told at school of like hey believe in yourself follow your heart it's your yeah. life doing the way you want you're the center of your own universe on some level you're your own God you're in control you control your own destiny um, and so if That's what they hear everywhere else, their families, schools, culture, bookstores, education. And then they come into a church service and they basically hear the same message. Just sprinkle a Bible verses out of context. That sounds no different to them. That's white noise. But when they come in and they hear a word proclaimed from God's word that says, you know what? You are not created to believe in yourself. or You are created to believe in someone bigger than yourself. Uh, hey, you're not. Hey, don't follow your heart. Your heart needs help. Your heart needs to be saved. You know, you need a new heart. Uh, the world is broken. You're broken. Uh, we're sinners. That's a big problem. But there's a bigger solution named Jesus. Meaning, He's a better savior than we are sinner. Like when they hear stuff like that, that stands out to them because they don't hear that anywhere else. And in fact, I would say this, and and I often hear these comments from Gen Z, like, even if they don't believe what you believe, they admire that you believe it and you're honest about it and passionate Mm. about it and you're doing it from God's word. And so that's why I say. Hey, when they come in, they can hear self-help jargon, nonsense everywhere else. Let them hear the word of God that says we're spiritually dead, sinners separated from God, and we desperately need a savior named Jesus because they do not hear that anywhere else. And that will stand out to them.
0: Man, thanks for that. That is, a, that is a good word. Hey, what what is uniquely true about reaching Gen Z, and what's just always been true about next gen discipleship?
1: Oh man, I love this question. Yeah. So, uh, Bucky, the, the question I get as I serve as the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board NAM and and those that are watching that may not know what that is it's basically the national entity for the Southern Baptist Convention you know so when you think of 50,000 churches state conventions local associations it's big it's big really big and so I almost get that question on a daily basis something along these lines hey Shane what's the secret sauce to reaching Generation Z what's the secret sauce all right so here's the secret sauce I'm going to give it to you it's not going to sell a lot of books all right it's not going to blow your mind but the secret sauce to reaching gen z is this there is no secret sauce all right oh come but on there, man yeah there's no secret sauce i know i know like there are people like really we we waited for no, that. no you're right though you're right yeah.
0: though
1: <laughs> yeah there's no secret sauce but there is a holy bible there is a holy spirit there is the holy gospel Uh, there's people made in God's image there's people that desperately need to hear about Jesus and there's those that need to be discipled in a way where they can learn how to make disciples themselves and guess what those things have been true for 2,000 years so that's encouragement I give is the same thing that has worked for 2,000 years still works today now how we carry that out is ever-changing because culture is ever-changing you know like Like, and so here's the deal is like, I think with Gen Z is, is we do have to constantly figure out how to get better at in-person ministry, but also digital ministry, um, because I think that is our world moving forward, that every ministry has to figure out in-person because one thing that COVID has taught us this year is that digital ministry is not a replacement for in-person ministry, but it is a good supplement, you know? Um, So what's unique with Gen Z often why Generations are different. Like I said, you know, the gospel always works, but each generation is often defined by advancements in technology and then the breakdown of the family. And so I think that's one thing that's unique with Gen Z is is let's figure out how to use technology because it can be used for evil, but God is the redeemer of all things, you know? And so let's use technology for the gospel. Think about it. The gospel can go around the world with the click of a button. That's absolutely amazing. All right. Um, But then the second of all is the family. Think about it right now. You even see it in cultures of some of the, the, for lack of a better term, trending hashtag viral movements and stuff is often when you look at the the doctrine and the rhetoric that they're using for like a better term their doctrine is an attack on the traditional family you know the 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 husband the wife kids the family nuclear unit and i think when you attack the family that it, it affects a whole generation and i think that some of the issues that you're seeing is a lack of the family dynamic um you know and, and but students but even when you attack that family and that family dynamics move it doesn't remove the hunger for that so students, and here's where we can win in discipleship, especially with Gen Z, they're looking for mentors. They, they're looking for those older men, those older women to pour into them. So we really to, can practice Titus too. And why is that? Because so many of them don't have, for lack of a better term, that traditional family setup. Um, many are being raised uh, by single parents or being raised by grandparents or uh, many are what we call functionally homeless, meaning they're bouncing from couch to couch. They're staying at their friend's house this week and at another friend's house this week. And and they don't really have that family structural support. And I think that's where the, the church can come in with community and be that kind of faith family to help pour into the next
0: generation. That's really good insight, Shane. Yeah. It, it plays into some questions I have about discipleship intergenerational discipleship you've said that that's that's something that that uh, you know younger people really value and it doesn't really matter they're not ageist it doesn't matter you know how, yep. how old you are they're they're looking for mentors in life and in, in the faith what what advice can you give to you know older, older believers uh, who want to mentor and disciple uh the next generation and particularly in in how how to engage in the kingdom how to share their faith
1: yeah, that's great. Yeah, two two kind of tracks of that. Number one, cor- corporately. Let me talk about that corporately for churches, local churches, is often. Um, and let me say this first of all. I believe in age specific ministries. That's why I'm in a role I'm in, national yeah. next gen director. Right so obviously, I believe in age specific ministries. Um, but if we only do that as churches, often as churches we can typically only do age-specific ministries, right? So we'll say, hey, all right, when we gather all the kids, you go over here, all the teenagers, you go over there, all the college students, young adults, you go over here, all the young married, you go over here, all the young marrieds with kids go over here, all the empty nesters go over here, and then all the classics go over here, right? Because we don't say senior adults anymore, that people get offended by that. So all the classics, you go over here, And we keep everybody separated. And I think when we do that, we cut our discipleship legs out from under us um, because we remove the opportunity for Titus chapter two, where the older men take the younger men, the older women take the younger women. And so, yes, age specific ministries. But I think we would do ourselves favors if as the local church, we could figure out ways to do more multi-generational ministries together. And I think the two obvious ways to do that is through serving and missions. So that's why I'm so thankful for the International Commission is because like we should serve multi-generationally. Yes, is it important to take the youth group out to serve the city? Yes. But as the church, we should do that and include the kids, include the students, include the young adults, include the classics. Um, one of Some of my favorite churches to walk up to to, to preach, uh, Bucky, is when I walk up on a Sunday morning to preach it in the services and at the door is the 65-year-old uh, standing next to the 16-year-old and they're greeting people together or they're Love handing it. out the bullets together um, Or when you you look up on the stage and the worship band has teenagers and young adults and oh senior yeah. adults and all that It's a multi-generational ministry uh, Same thing with the offering another way to do is missions. Yeah. Hey are those college mission trips important? Yes Are those high school mission trips important? Yes, but man, what about going and and serving? I'm looking at your map right there What about going and serving Australia And in that group are 70-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 14-year-olds. And, you know, like that's where I believe the life of the church will truly be seen as healthy. Um, You know, and, and, and my traveling and being with so many different churches is typically... Um, churches are either mainly older right mainly older congregations and the young families are kind of missing or you go to a church that's mainly young families and the older are missing I always I still feel the most healthy churches are those truly multi-generational churches so let's find ways to be on mission together multi-generationally and then on the discipleship the one-on-one those Paul Timothy relationships those Titus chapter 2 relationships is one thing to just remember, yeah, Gen Z, uh, like you said, Bucky, are are not ageist. And so, um, like, I often say, like, like often the most attractive to Gen Z are those classics. And I always say this, I tell especially youth pastors this, sometimes the most untapped resources in any church for next-gen ministries are those classic services, are those senior adults, because think about it often they're retired so their schedules are more open yeah Uh, they're usually more financially stable they have a lot of wisdom a lot of experience Um, and then i always say this they have enough grit to go to bat for the ministry when that's needed because they've built up many of them have been at the same church for decades so they have a lot of like relational and trust equity built up. So when somebody needs to go to bat for that next-gen ministry, because that always happens, right? When somebody needs to go Um, to bat for that next-gen, man, they'll be your loudest advocates, man. And so, and of course, I know, let's just be honest. I mean, I think we'd be honest as family. Yes, there are some curmungens that you don't want around the students. Everybody knows who those those people are. Even the senior adults knows who those people are. I'm not talking about that (laughs) because the vast majority are people who love Jesus, and they love kids, and they see those kids as like their grandkids. And think about it, every grandparent loves their grandkids, and every grandkid loves their grandparents. So it's often a natural fit. Um, and so one of the most beautiful pictures I saw of this uh, is before COVID, back kind of in January, February, I was in another state preaching at a, a, a service that night, and got there a little early, so I went to a local coffee shop um, before going to the event. And uh, I look across the way and I see a guy that had to be in his late 70s and sitting at a table and around him are four college age guys. And like all five of them have their Bibles open. And man, I look at that and go, that's Titus chapter two right there. Mm -hmm. And so if you're watching this. Please, like, no matter how old you are, if God, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. Like, you don't retire from this; you just graduate one day. So, we desperately need you. And I think sometimes, especially as senior adults, go, "Well, I did my time. I'm going to hand it over to the teenagers." No, 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 like, we don't need that. We we don't need uh, really a passing of the torch until you go graduate. Uh, we need you running beside the next Man, that's generation. So good. Yeah,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. As the body of Christ together. It is, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and God's not done with you. You know, as long as you're breathing, if that breath in your lungs is proof positive, God's not done with you. And think about it. I always throw this in there too. If you think about it, like, The reason we exist today is because every previous generation was faithful to reach the next generation with the gospel. So it's happened for 2,000 years. And so the first, you know, disciples, they were faithful to reach the next generation. That generation is faithful to reach the next generation. That generation is faithful to reach the next generation. Fast forward 2,000 years, we're here today. And so I always tell people like, hey, we didn't start this movement. We're not going to end it. It's just our turn to be faithful to pour into the next generation so the question
0: is are we going to do it or not you know yeah. yes sir i'm going to try to limit this rabbit trail that i'm about to go on but <laughs> I, I i've seen it's just reminded me that I've, I've seen these these little microcosms these examples of this this effective intergenerational ministry Uh, different places in the world some of the favorite my favorite churches that I've served with on the mission field overseas uh, short-term in evangelism projects have been these kind of intergenerational churches Uh, and uh, usually these have been like really small community churches but it's where the younger uh, people are 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 involved in in worship and even in in training and teaching uh, and, and all of the all of the the roles and gifts of the body and those are the most vibrant, most evangelistic, soul-winning, community-transforming uh, communities that, that I've ever seen. And those are the ones that where, where there's this integration uh, between the older and the younger generations. Now, uh, in some places, there's there's a generation gap, and, and I mean, I think all over the world there is because there's a global youth culture that man, we could probably talk about for another whole, you know. Episode, but there's a big kind of generation gap in, in worldview and values, communication style, entertainment, all of this stuff. But it's still true that when the younger people are looking up to the older, uh, more spiritually mature uh, saints, there there's this this amazing discipleship that can happen. And mm-hmm. so you know I've seen this in in Latin America, in in Asia, even in Eastern Europe, and. Uh, in Mongolia in particular, something that I'd love for people to know is that the kingdom is growing the most through these student-led mission movements, these Christ-word movements of people coming to Christ and, and house churches are just exploding to the point where they don't even know really what to do for leadership. They're having to raise up mm-hmm. their leaders, their teachers from among the youth there because it's growing so fast. But there's, this intergenerational element there too, and so mm-hmm. the, that's just—I mean, I look at Gen Z and C potential. I'm talking mm-hmm. worldwide. Here in the United States, of course, we have some unique problems of of, of culture, uh, but they're all they're all rooted in the same thing. You know, where our mm-hmm. battle's not against flesh and blood. Uh, we've got we got we're we're battling against sin, and we know the solution. But mm-hmm. there's so much potential in this generation to be on mission that uh I, I love this advice that you're given that's a, yeah you know if we can look at that with that kind of optimism and uh we can we can see some great moves of god when we just work together mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah there's a concern you, that we yeah go ahead yeah and i was saying like you know uh, my
1: my family and i we have a huge heart for africa and so you know we're always in uganda and then whenever i lead some guys over there we go into congo rwanda and all those and you see it done really well in like the african church of like you know in that old discipleship model that we all know is like hey i do you watch then you know then like i do you help and then you do i help and then you do i watch because like you're saying in the local churches when you go like on a sunday morning they're almost like youth services but you can tell the older disciple makers in the church because they're still gonna be the ones during the week helping and circling back around going, okay, hey, here's where we can get better. Here is. So even oh. though those older saints may not be front and center visually anymore, believe me, they're still influencing everything that goes on. They're just allowing the next generation to like do the ministry. And I feel like those older saints, are, some of them are like Aaron and her. You remember in Exodus 17, they're uplifting yeah, the arms yeah. of Moses. So I feel yeah. like that's when it's done well is when that older generation is really uplifting the arms of the next generation to reach their friends with the gospel because that's where it's important. Here's what we know worldwide almost. Um, and, you know, and of course, it's different in the in, in those that are kind of unreached countries where the gospel is really hard to move forward and stuff. But like even say in the States and, and many other countries where the gospel is very public is that uh, 77% of people who surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior do it before the age of 18. Wrap your mind around that. 77% of people who surrender to Jesus do it before the age of 18. And so that's where the harvest is. And we know often, like on discipleship, every generation can be involved in that. But typically, the most effective evangelist towards Gen Z is another Gen -er Zer is in love with Jesus and their heart is broken for their friends. Um, those are by far the most effective evangelists. And now's the time to do it because God can save whom he wants, when he wants, all that. But on practically speaking w- terms, like if you don't reach somebody by the time they're 18, and then especially by the time they're 30, 95% of people surrender Jesus before they're 30, uh, then you truly lose a generation for the gospel. Yeah.
0: Damn. So what are some ways that, what are some some resources to help train Gen Z to do that to, to reach their peers.
1: Yeah, man thanks Bucky for asking that. So um, this summer during our, our shelter in place and when I, you know you, I usually am traveling like crazy and so uh, whenever I was uh, grounded you know and nobody was traveling, I gave a little margin to uh, where I just wrote a devotional and so at, at the North American Mission Board we have an initiative called Who's Your One? Uh, and Mm -hmm. basically like when you think of like how many millions upon millions of spiritually lost people, they are, that can be overwhelming for the church. That can be overwhelming for missions that can be overwhelming for an individual. And so we said, Hey, don't be overwhelmed by that. Just focus on one, uh, at all times. And this goes back to John chapter one, this isn't anything new It's 2000 years old where Jesus found Philip. And the first thing Philip did was go tell Nathaniel, right? And so we said, who's your one? Who is it? Just one person. Start with one who is one spiritually lost person in your life that you can pray for by name every day, uh, intentionally invest in. And then when the opportunity presents itself by faith and obedience, you walk through that door of opportunity and share the gospel with them, you know. And then if your one comes to know Jesus, you don't just say, Oh, well, now I'm gonna sit back and wait to go to heaven. No, now you disciple them. Now it turns into discipleship yeah. where you disciple them to have a one you now have a new one. And that's how the kingdom of God is expanded, one soul at a time. Um, and so I wrote a 30 day devotional called Your One uh, Student Edition. So this is for students and it's an evangelism devotional. Uh, there's very few evangelism devotionals out there and even fewer ones geared towards college students, high school students, junior high students. So it's 30 days, every day tells the next generation what to read in the Bible, gives them three or four paragraphs to help them think about it gives them a specific prayer that day for their one uh, spiritually lost person in their life. And then gives them a specific action point towards living on mission that day and living missionally uh, to cultivate uh, opportunity to share the gospel with their one. Um, And the reason I love the devotional aspect of it is because, Bucky, you know, this is uh, at the heart of every problem is a heart problem. So often when we're not sharing the gospel, it's not a lack of tools. There's plenty of tools. It's not a lack of books. There's plenty of books. It's not a lack of initiatives. There's plenty of those. It's a heart problem, you know? And so what I've found is like when from in my own experiences, like when I'm walking in intimacy with Jesus um, and my heart is aligned with him, then I'm going to care about what he cares about, which is people. Right. And so um, I'm much more effective at sharing the gospel, uh, living on mission praying for people, when I'm doing it, I'll be overflow of my own worship of Jesus, and so I think spending time in God's Word and spending time in prayer will move your heart to want to be about the heart of God, which is reaching people with His message, and so man, that's why uh, I really point people to that, so if you go to Who's your, it's a free resource. Go to who'syour1.com. You know, remove the apostrophe, but who'syour1.com. At the top is a link that says for you. Click on that. Scroll down. There's all these resources, but there's the 30-day devotional student edition. You can download that for free. Share it with how many people you want. And then also the U-version Bible app picked it up, which that's, a, awesome. that's an good. amazing yeah, that's resource. Good, good. They picked it up. But so on that same website is a link where you can click on that and actually do the Bible reading plan. Uh, on the Bible app. So to me, that's adjusted. just a great, great resource. It's like, hey, there's plenty of tools out there, plenty of strategies, um, but there's not, I, I didn't find hardly any devotionals uh, that helps you spend time in God's Word to cultivate that passionate heart for Jesus and that broken heart for lost people. And so we created that. And it's been awesome, Bucky. We just put it out not that long ago. And I think it's had over 7,000 downloads already. And so, man, I think that's just a great resource. That's always the one I point to. Um, and then we created another resource that we're super excited about that's super going to be super evangelistic as well and about mobilizing people to live on mission as missionaries pointing people to Jesus. Is a brand new YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel is called Gen Send Conversations. So G-E-N and then send all together. So Gen Send Conversations. And every other week we're gonna post a message uh, from me that's about seven, eight minutes long. Uh, we'll add a worship uh, song that we uh, we partnered with, Initiative Worship, and then in every video that we're putting up on YouTube, because that's where Gen Z is, they're on YouTube. Yes. all right? They're not on Facebook, all right? they're not on Facebook, they're not, they're on YouTube, um, is uh, I give a strong invitation uh, to, to pray to receive Christ, uh, there's an email that pops up to say, hey, if you pray to receive Christ, we want to hear from you. Then we help oh, connect God. them to a local church wherever they're at. Um, and then every message, uh, you know, gives them a mobilization charge. Hey, now go tell the world about Jesus. Go tell your school. Go tell your friends. Whatever. So that's Jensen Conversations. We'd love for you to go check that out. Subscribe. You can also text the word. If you text the word conversations to eight 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 one two three. 123 uh, it'll send you a link directly to subscribe to that channel and then it'll give you a notification through text every time we post a new video because uh, we'll post a new video every other week. So those are two brand new resources we're so excited about and it's specifically for the next generation and for those awesome. that work with the next generation.
0: Yeah. That sounds good. We'll put those in the show notes here and then uh, we'll have you will have seen graphics on the screen while we're talking here.
1: Nice. Uh, we have yeah, a love fantastic uh,
0: editor uh, working on this show named Hafayella. Everybody should
1: know
0: that. Because, awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, how else can folks connect with you, Shane, on social? Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh social is Instagram and Twitter is just at Shane underscore Pruitt78. Um and then of course just Shane Pruitt on Facebook. Uh also we have a podcast that Bucky mentioned earlier. Uh, that's just called Next Gen on Mission. It's available on all podcast platforms. And it's usually just a 20 to 25 minute conversation between me and another guest uh, that's on. And it's all about what we've been talking about reaching, uh, mobilizing, discipling the next generation to be the church of today. That's our little tagline for the next generation to be the church of today. Um, So that podcast. And then I just have a website, shamepruitt.com. And then I'd love for, uh, yeah, you to reach out and email me. I I don't have a problem to share my personal email. I always share. It. It's just Pruitt at nam.net, N-A-M-B dot net. We'd love to help you and serve you in any way we can. Yeah, Awesome.
0: Hey, Shane, I forgot to ask you one. If you could go yes. back. Here we go. Yeah, I, I was you waiting for this back. one. I always ask that. And I was waiting
1: for this Yeah.
0: One. And talk to teenage Shane Pruitt. What would you tell him?
1: Oh, man, two things. First of all, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. So I would really encourage that teenage shame put to know Jesus, uh, to surrender to him, uh, for Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. Um, and then he have a heart for Jesus and a broken heart for his friends. Because I still say this, uh, I went to a public school. So if you're a teenager or a college student in a public school or public university, you're around more lost people at one time than you will be for the rest of your life. If you think about it, wow, like if yeah. you go to a public school, as a Christian teenager, look at your school as a mission field. And I know with COVID, some are online, some are doing hybrid schedules. But in a typical season, you're around hundreds, if not thousands of spiritually lost people every single day. You talk about a mission field. Uh, as a college student, if you go to a, a, a public university or a uh, or even a junior college, you're around thousands of people that do not know Jesus, ever, and that's every day for the rest of your life. You you probably won't be that way because you'll work with a few people, or you'll be with your family or neighbors, and then unfortunately, some Christians get to a place where they're so insulated they say, "Well, I don't know any lost people." Well, then you need to start working hard to meet, friends, some lost people. But so I would just say, hey, like know Jesus and make Jesus known as a teenager. Um, and, then, uh, and then the second thing, which I think is a message for all teenagers is like, man, I w- my Trinity in high school, just being honest, Bucky was not father, son, Holy Spirit. Mine was sports, partying and chasing girls. And so I think I would just say, hey, all of these people that you're desperately trying to impress right now and getting in a lot of trouble trying to impress them. Uh, You probably won't even talk to them as you get old. You know what I mean? Because people go separate ways, you know? And so I can count on one hand how many friends that I still consider friends from high school. And so all these people I were desperately trying to impress, thinking, we're going to be, we're going to be, this same group is going to stay together. This whole graduating class is going to stay together for the rest of our life. It's just not a reality. Um, And so I would say that, hey, all these people you're trying to impress right now, and making maybe some life-altering decisions that could affect the rest of your life right now to impress these people, uh, don't do it because these probably won't be your circle of trust or your community as you get older anyway, you know? Yeah,
0: that's a good word. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Hey, we we, uh, also have uh, an evangelism training opportunity. If you've got that heart for evangelism and just don't know and, and you're praying and you've got a heart from the lost, and you've, you've got that love of God in you is pouring out to share the gospel with, with people who God loves. But you just don't know where to start the conversation. You don't know how to do that. Uh, we do have some tools. Of course I you know, I agree with Shane the best evangelism tool out there is the one that you'll use and that you'll you know, that's all used in love because you care about souls. But you've got an E and E training workshop that's free online workshop where we'll teach you something, uh, te- teach you a way to share the gospel or a concept about prayer and evangelism mission that you can practice and then put into play. So uh, we'll drop a link here. You can go and register for that. But that and the other resources that, that Shane mentioned are a great way for you uh, to begin or continue in missional living, uh, reaching Gen Z, or if you are the younger generation, reaching your peers. Uh, don't waste time. That there's that you don't have any time to waste. If you belong to Christ, you've been saved with a purpose, and you have a charge uh, to go and make disciples, and you can. There's no Holy Spirit, Junior, just the one, and he lives inside of you. So uh, like I say at the end of every show, uh, go and tell someone about Jesus. Thank you, Shane, so much for being with us and sharing uh, all that wisdom with us.
1: Hey, thank you, Bucky, man. So thankful for you and everything y'all do, man. We're we're big fans and big supporters. So thank you, my friend.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you again. All right.